Welcome, loyal constituents. I'm your fearless leader, Alastair Murden, and this is Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. Each week, I bring you a story about beliefs and lore from cultures around the world. Some are widely popular, and some, like today's, are very niche. Today, we're going to the polls and casting our vote, because this story is inspired by the 25th President of the United States, William McKinley. McKinley served in office from 1897 to 1901, but unfortunately for number 25, his presidency didn't end because he left office. Instead, McKinley was assassinated. Yes, in 1901, McKinley joined the ranks of his predecessors, Abraham Lincoln and James Garfield, as the third sitting president to be murdered. But assassination attempts are by no means restricted to United States leaders. Throughout history and all over the world, rulers have always worried about being usurped, defeated, killed, or worse. Many have taken preventative measures to avoid it. Some used bodyguards or soldiers to surround them at all times. Others employed food tasters to sample dishes for poison. Now, McKinley was well aware of this while in office, but he had a different method. He chose to protect himself with a lucky charm. The Red Carnation. Except one day, McKinley made a grave error. Legend has it, at the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo, New York, he gave his lucky carnation to a little girl named Myrtle Ledger. A gesture of kindness, perhaps. Or an invitation for death. Because a few handshakes later, McKinley was shot in the stomach. If not for his death, McKinley might have retired, traveled to Hawaii, and written a book. We'll never know. But one thing's for certain. There was something cosmic about that red carnation. As the aspiring politician in today's story, we'll soon find out. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, a high school president meets her challenger. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Sienna Stone stood on stage in front of a huge banner. It featured her campaign slogan, S stands for School Spirit, Safety and Success. She smiled, projecting confidence to her audience of Hartwell High classmates. There were about a hundred, all in identical uniforms, a sea of white and green. She turned on an old battery-powered boombox sitting at her feet. 
the national anthem burst from its dusty speakers. She was a little nervous, but she hid it well. First rule of politics, don't let your constituents know what you're really thinking. <clears throat> I'm so honored to be elected Hartwell High's student body president and for the second year in a row. A rogue voice in the crowd shot back. It's not an election if there's only one candidate, doofus. Sienna grew immediately anxious, grabbing her hair and teasing apart her split ends. It was a bad habit, but she couldn't help it. The voice was right. She had run unopposed. But that didn't mean she wasn't qualified. She was a straight-A student. She'd never been late to class, had never received detention. She wasn't rich like the other kids, but she worked harder. And she was going to use that work ethic to become a politician. Except, she needed college tuition. And if she wanted a scholarship, she needed more than straight A's and a squeaky clean record. She had to be class president. Sienna dropped her hands from her hair. Our facilities haven't been updated in years. It's not safe. As your president, I'll ask the school to raise vending machine prices so we have money for repairs. This will be our legacy. Sienna had really thought about this platform. Hartwell High students were from some of the wealthiest families around, but for some reason, the school neglected basic upkeep. They spent all their donation money on sports and fancy uniforms and ignored infrastructure. I mean, look up. Look at the lights in this auditorium, old and creaking. Sienna pointed above her where some industrial stage lights hung. She could see their rusted hinges from where she stood, their glass bulbs full of muck and dust. One was crooked. The rogue voice called out again. How about instead of making candy costs more, we get it for free? The other students murmured in agreement. Sienna picked at her ends again and looked to the teachers at the back of the auditorium for help. Mrs. Peters, Sienna's history teacher and mentor, observed the scene but said nothing. Sienna knew what Mrs. Peters was doing. Sienna needed to handle it. This was politics, and she better learn now. Let's save comments for later. A handsome kid in a bright green Hartwell High football jersey stood. He was tall, taller than the rest of the classmates, like one of those 30-year-olds cast in teen TV shows. Charlie Hill. She should have known. Charlie grinned a cool boy grin. Who cares about some old lights? We barely use them. You know what we do use? Candy. I say, free vending machines for all. The whole student body cheered. Sienna looked down to the floor. She hadn't expected pushback, so this was a slap in the face. No one was going to listen to her if Charlie Hill wanted the floor. He was the most popular boy in school. She squeezed her hands together, trying to keep her frustration contained. She thought to herself, politicians don't crack, they spin. Then she called out, That's a good idea, Charlie. Maybe we can brainstorm other ways to raise money for repairs. Like your rich family kicking their donations up a notch, she thought. Charlie smirked. Or maybe I should be president. 
The auditorium erupted in applause. Sienna's heart thundered. No, no, no. Charlie Hill was on the football team. He was already a leader. And he had one of the biggest houses in town. He didn't need this. Sienna shoved down her panic. You missed your chance to run, Charlie. But I'd love your help in making changes. What if you came on as vice president? Charlie ignored her and spoke to the room. Let's debate and hold it to a vote. Then we'll see if lights are more important than candy. Her history teacher, Mrs. Peters, raised an eyebrow at Sienna, as if to ask if she needed help. Sienna looked down at her shoes. School uniforms didn't include footwear, so her battered old loafers were the only thing that visibly set her apart from the other students. That and her stupid split ends. Her fingers yanked on her hair a little harder. It's not lights. It's school upkeep and safety. And the deadline for signatures to get on the ballot passed a week ago, so sorry. Charlie turned to their classmates. All in favor of running an election? Sienna watched in horror as the majority of students threw up their hands. Then Charlie chanted. No lights, free candy, no lights, free candy. Most of the auditorium joined in, even some of the teachers. Sienna kept her face as neutral as she could, though inside she was screaming. She told herself there was no way it could happen. He'd missed his chance. The teachers would never let him pull something like that. Sienna had real ideas, real solutions. She repeated to herself the rest of the day and on the walk home to her tiny house. By the time she laid in bed that night in her scratchy, worn sheets, she managed to convince herself that everything would be fine. Everyone knew she was the practical choice. But when Sienna got to school the next day, she realized she was dead wrong. Her sleek, professional-looking banners had once covered the entrance hallway to Hartwell High. S stands for School Spirit, Safety and Success. Now, there were banners up, but they weren't hers. The new banners read things like, Don't be silly, vote for Hilly, and Charlie bit my vote. The simplest one made her stomach churn. No lights, free candy. They were drawn with Sharpie on bedsheets and scraps of newspaper, clearly thrown together without thought. But the students in the hallway didn't seem to mind. Some chanted the slogans. Others stuck vote for Charlie post-it notes over pins she had passed out last week. Charlie Hill had doubled down. Sienna fought back a scream. She'd worked so hard on her posters and pins. She'd saved for months, had gone to a special print shop and everything, and now they were all replaced with Charlie Hill's afterthought of a campaign. She was going to lose it, and she couldn't do it in front of everyone. Politicians always project confidence to their constituents. Sienna dashed into the nearest classroom. She shut the door behind her, leaning against it with her eyes squeezed shut. She shoved her hair back in a bun so she didn't pick at it and ordered herself to breathe. Breathe. She'd almost calmed down when a voice startled her. Sienna? 
Are you all right? It was Mrs. Peters, the history teacher. She was grading papers at her desk, half concealed by a basket of red flowers. She was exactly who Sienna needed to see. It's all ruined! Mrs. Peters got up to help Sienna into a chair by her desk. What's ruined? Sienna threw up her hands. Everything! Charlie Hill is going to take the presidency from me, even though he has zero message. He doesn't even have a real slogan. He's just saying things and writing them down. That kid has never had to do anything except, except nothing. He drew one of those lucky life cards and I didn't. I've had to work for everything. And even then, someone like Charlie can just swoop in and take it all away at a whim. It isn't fair. Mrs. Peters crouched in front of Sienna, her eyes sympathetic. It isn't. But hard work only gets you so far. Even presidents have to rely on a little bit of luck. Sienna found that hard to believe. <laughs> like who? Mrs. Peters grabbed a flower from the basket on her desk. The teacher held it out. A red carnation. It's the state flower in Ohio, where I'm from. It's also the flower that was worn by our 25th president, William McKinley. When McKinley ran, he thought he had it in the bag. But then William Jennings Bryan gave him a run for his money. Literally. <laughs> Bryan wanted to eliminate gold as the only standard for currency. It was radical at the time, which appealed to some. Sienna laughed. <laughs> Radical. Sounds like Charlie Hill. Mrs. Peters smiled. Even though new ideas and change can be exciting, McKinley still won. Sienna's eyes shone. But what's the flower for? Mrs. Peters leaned forward. That's McKinley's lucky flower. He always had one attached to his lapel, and he was elected president twice. Yeah, right. Sienna's whole life had been full of clawing and fighting for every ounce of opportunity and respect. How could a flower make a difference? Mrs. Peter's demeanor suddenly shifted. Her eyes held a warning. Just remember, this flower would be yours. Don't give it away. When Sienna asked why, the reply came quickly. It's bad luck. The worst kind. Some say giving his red carnation away is exactly how William McKinley died. Sienna stared at the flower in Mrs. Peter's hand. Its bright red leaves shone from the fluorescent classroom light above. Their hue reminded her of blood. Sienna considered it. She tried hard work, and that hadn't panned out. So she took it from Mrs. Peters and pinned it to her Hartwell High uniform. Maybe a little superstition was worth a shot. Coming up, Sienna's fight for the presidency turns ugly. What could be more shocking than uncovering the deep, dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? 
realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Carter from the ParCast series, Conspiracy Theories. Every Monday and Wednesday, take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction and discover that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. From the government's link to Bigfoot and the otherworldly secrets of the Vatican, to the Grateful Dead's role in the spread of LSD, and more. On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may just be outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Sienna emerged from Mrs. Peter's classroom and headed down the hallway. She brushed the red carnation on her shirt. Mrs. Peters had told her it was William McKinley's lucky flower. So lucky, giving it away could kill you. Sienna would just have to keep it safe. She believed in hard work and discipline. She'd never lost her homework nor any books. She wasn't exactly worried about keeping track of a flower. The lights flickered in the hallway, but none of the students seemed to notice. They really didn't care that the school was falling down around them. Although there seemed to be another reason they hadn't noticed. There was something going on by the bulletin board. A crowd was gathered around it. Sienna shoved her way to the front, pushing aside her classmates' trendy leather monogrammed backpacks. It was an announcement. There would be a debate for student body president. Period six, between Charles Hill and Sienna Stone. A vote would follow. It was signed by Principal Williams. Sienna blinked as she stared at the principal's name. This was really happening. Sienna touched the carnation. Charlie Hill wasn't the only lucky one anymore. She pulled out her phone to check the time. Two periods before lunch, then a free period, then the debate. She could use lunch and her free period to revamp her campaign and prove to these snobs she was the right choice. The printer whirled before Sienna's eyes. Sheets filled with her slogan shot onto its tray. S stands for school spirit, safety and success. Only she'd added something to the design. A red flower. She'd done her research. Mrs. Peters was right. A lot of presidents relied on luck. Truman had horseshoes. Obama played basketball on election day. They were winners. So with her red carnation, she would be too. She was so focused on her task, she didn't see Charlie Hill appear beside her. He spun a pair of pricey, noise-canceling headphones around his wrist as he stared at the red carnation on her shirt. What's that for? Sienna jumped in surprise. Nothing. Something Mrs. Peters gave me. Charlie's eyes shifted to the flyers before she could hide them. Doesn't seem like nothing. You put it on your campaign posters. He was nervous she was up to something. Sienna could tell. She had him on edge. She grinned. It's just some campaign flair for luck. Not that I need it. Charlie's eyes narrowed, and he slunk out of the library without another word. 
Sienna turned back to the printer with glee. That kid was going down. With new flyers in hand, Sienna waltzed into the crowded hallway. She smiled at her classmates before shoving the paper into their hands. Vote for Sienna, here to make this school a safer place for all. The carnation gave her a spring in her step. Vote for Sienna, what good is candy if our school is falling down around us? A booming voice interrupted her canvassing. Sienna Stone? We need a word. Principal Williams stood with Mrs. Peters by his office door. They looked mad, which was odd, because teachers were never mad at Sienna. Sienna sat across from Principal Williams. Mrs. Peters stood behind him, not meeting Sienna's eyes. Something was wrong. Sienna felt anxiety swelling up within her again. Her hands itched to play with her hair, but she kept still. Principal Williams spoke first. Sienna, something has gone missing from Mrs. Peter's classroom. A bowl of red carnations. Do you know anything about that? Sienna's jaw dropped. That's terrible. Who? When? Mrs. Peter's didn't look mad. She looked disappointed, which was worse. Someone took them. Not long after our chat. Mrs. Peters stared at Sienna's red carnation in a way that made her heart sink. She reached for her hair before remembering she'd put it up. And you think I took them? Mrs. Peters looked away. Well, I don't want to accuse you, but you're the only student I've told the McKinley story to. And the timing is... Principal Williams jumped in. Just give Mrs. Peters her flowers. Sienna was aghast. She'd never been dragged to the principal's office, let alone accused of theft. It was almost like someone was trying to frame her. That was when she remembered. Her chat with Charlie Hill in the library. She told him her carnation was lucky and that Mrs. Peters gave it to her. She blurted out, Charlie Hill, I told him about the flowers. Mrs. Peter's eyes filled with pity. Sienna, it's not like you to try and get Charlie in trouble. Principal Williams was less kind. Charlie, that boy is an upstanding athlete and all-around great guy, and the Hills have always been so generous to Hartwell. Let's not bring others down with us, okay? Of course. When it came down to it, the rich golden boy was always going to be believed over her. Sienna's mind whirled. What would McKinley do? What would any politician do? But she couldn't think. Her forehead was covered in sweat. She snatched a damp flyaway strand at her hairline and rubbed it between her fingers. Principal Williams sighed. If you don't return that basket to Mrs. Peters by the end of the day, you'll get a demerit. Sienna screamed at herself not to react, to use that smooth politician smile she'd practiced. A smile was impossible, but she managed a nod before she fled. She flew out of the office and leaned against the lockers. The ceiling light was broken above her, so this part of the hallway was dark, like her mood. Before she could stop herself, 
she ripped out her bun and went to town. Her nails separated any frayed strands of hair she could find and plucked them from her head. She'd never gotten a demerit before, so not only could she lose the presidency, she might also be labelled a troublemaker. She looked down at the carnation, spoke to it. Any minute now, some luck might be nice. The bell rang and Sienna's heart pounded. It was sixth period. Students poured into the hall, heading towards the auditorium. Almost all of them wore Charlie Hill pins on their shirts or toted Charlie Hill banners. And among them, Charlie strode with his posse of followers. He winked at Sienna as he strode past, making her pluck at her hair even harder. Just some campaign flair for luck. Not that I need it. He pointed at his uniform shirt where a red carnation was pinned. She'd been right. He was the one who had stolen Mrs. Peter's carnations. Sienna ran back into Principal William's office. It was him. Charlie has the flower on his t-shirt right now. Come look. Mrs. Peters and Principal Williams exchanged a dubious look, but they followed Sienna into the hallway where Charlie had vanished. Sienna craned her neck, trying to see over the throng of students. I swear, go find him. Search his locker. Principal Williams grumbled about his time being wasted and disappeared into his office. Mrs. Peters put a hand on Sienna's shoulder. Isn't your hard work and some luck enough? Do you really need to get Charlie in trouble to win? Mrs. Peters headed down the hall as Sienna called after her. He's getting me in trouble to win! But Mrs. Peters was gone. Sienna suddenly couldn't breathe. She pulled at her hair, her heart pounding way too fast. She dashed into the bathroom. Sienna splashed some water on her face and tried to quell her oncoming panic attack. But she couldn't calm down. Lucky, Charlie, Hill, floating through life without a care in the world. No one could see what he really was. A jerk. And if he had a carnation, that meant hers was worthless. She turned the faucet off, but it wouldn't stop dripping. Another broken thing at this dumb school, just like her shot at the presidency. It was the last straw. She screamed in frustration and yanked on her hair too hard. A chunk of it ripped from her scalp, sending a sharp stab of pain through her head. She gasped, watching a few drops of blood plop into the sink from the clump in her hand. She looked at herself in the mirror, hair askew and eyes wild. She was a disaster. If the flower failed her and all her hard work hadn't mattered, maybe it was down to her. Maybe, no matter what, money and status were what mattered. The kind of luck she needed was to go back in time and be born a hill. Sienna Stone would never be good enough. She glared at the flower, wanting to rip it apart, just like she'd torn her hair. But the bell rang. The final period of the day was starting, which meant the election had arrived. Sienna took a deep breath. She might as well see it through. Sienna stood on the stage once again. Her old boombox was quiet at her feet, and this time 
she couldn't muster a smile. Her head throbbed where she had ripped her hair out. Her hands shook, and Charlie Hill wasn't even here yet. Sienna was by herself, standing in front of the entire school, waiting like an idiot. She wondered if this had been his plan all along, make her jump through all these hoops, force her to lose it, and then not even show up. The auditorium doors flew open and a line of football players marched in. Their sneakers stomped on the ground in rhythm and their hands clapped. One of them carried a Bluetooth speaker, some compact techie gadget with great bass, a far cry from her decrepit sound system. They strode down the aisle, chanting Charlie's slogan, No lights! Free candy! The auditorium rose to their feet as Charlie walked in behind them, his arms raised, that cocky smile on his face. He wore a blazer with a ripped-up t-shirt under it, and attached to his lapel was a red carnation. Sienna's stomach flipped at the sight of it. As always, her hand moved to her hair. But then she froze when she noticed the other football players. On each of their jerseys, a red carnation was pinned. Her eyes flew to Mrs. Peters, who watched from the back of the auditorium. The history teacher was clapping along with the players dancing. She didn't seem to notice the carnations. Like everyone else, she was blinded by Charlie's charm, by the rich kid who wanted candy for free. Sienna's earlier defeatism slipped away. Anger burned in its place. But she didn't need to tear at her hair. The only thing she wanted to rip apart was Charlie. Charlie spoke to the room as he headed to the stage. Look, you all heard Sienna's platform yesterday, and I think my slogans are pretty clear. Should we just vote? Sienna grabbed the mic. I thought we were going to share our thoughts. Charlie bounded to the stage and leapt up beside her. He turned to the crowd. Who wants to hear thoughts? Silence answered him. Charlie shrugged. It's easiest just to get it over with. Easiest. Easiest? The words seared into Sienna like a hot iron. Sienna had never, ever done what was easiest. She'd grown up with hand-me-down everything and had been forced to study alongside kids who wore each season's best. She'd sat out field trips because her parents couldn't afford it. And against all odds, with almost no real friends, she'd led this school for over a year. Her blood boiled with the unfairness of it all. It boiled so hot, she forgot all about her politician veneer and let Hartwell High have it. Sienna grabbed the mic. If all you pea brains want to be led by a fellow idiot, be my guest. Just don't come crying to me when your school starts falling down around you. You're all a bunch of entitled brats, and I'm going to be a real president while you sit in your parents' renovated basements wondering why your luck ran out. <sighs> Silence greeted her outburst. Even Charlie seemed speechless. She swore under her breath. 
If she hadn't lost the presidency already, that had definitely done it. But when Sienna looked out at her classmates, she saw something different in their faces. Something like respect. Hope swelled in her chest. Maybe all she'd needed to do was let go. Then she heard Charlie's smug voice. Um, okay. Should we vote? Mrs. Peters stepped forward and directed the students to put their heads down. All those who would like to vote for Sienna as your student body president, raise your hand. A dozen hands went up. No more followed. Sienna felt dizzy. Her head throbbed. This was really happening. She was losing. Mrs. Peters shot Sienna an apologetic look. Okay, all those voting for Charlie, raise your hands. Sienna's heart sank as the hundred or so other students raised their hands. Her future flashed before her eyes. No, not hers. The one she'd never have. Mrs. Peters told everyone to sit up. We have a winner. Charlie Hill is your new class president. The cheering shook the room. The stage shuddered, lights creaking above them. Sienna closed her eyes. The fight had gone out of her. It was just over. Charlie's voice pulled her from her desolation. Hey. She opened her eyes. Charlie's cocky smile was gone. For the first time, he looked vulnerable. Look, I didn't mean to make you feel bad. I... Ugh. Not good at this kind of thing. Um, I'm... Sorry. He took the carnation from his lapel and held it out. I heard these were lucky. Sienna snatched the flower from his hand. She was about to snap at him, but she realized he'd meant that apology. And for Charlie, apologies seemed hard. It was maybe the first time in his life he hadn't done the easy thing. Sienna softened. Thanks. Uh, I... A heavy, industrial stage light dropped like a bomb from the rafters above and landed squarely on Charlie. His head exploded. A spray of blood splattered across Sienna's face. It took the rest of Hartwell High a moment to realize what had happened. And then, the screams began. People ran around the auditorium, panicking. Teachers tried to instill calm, but they were too shocked to do much good. And Sienna just stood there, face covered in blood, stunned as she stared at Charlie's dead body. When the bedlam finally died down, the students were ushered out of the auditorium. Sienna trailed them, still clutching Charlie's carnation. And then... She heard another student mutter to a classmate. Sienna was right about the lights. We should have listened to her. Her heart fluttered. She had proposed a good plan. Before all this happened with Charlie, it was her hard work that had seen a real problem and sought to fix it. 
She'd never needed a stupid luck charm. But then her gaze moved to the red carnation in her hand, its red petals still speckled with Charlie's blood. She remembered Mrs. Peter's warning. Don't give it away. On September 6th, 1901, William McKinley was shot twice. Though initially it seemed like he could recover, a week later, he succumbed to gangrene. The legend of McKinley giving away his red carnation is so pervasive, it feels like he's synonymous with the plant itself. His home state of Ohio even named it their state flower. Yet such a violent tragedy can't simply be blamed on superstition. It was a real person who chose to end the president's life. McKinley's assassin was named Leon Cholgosh, a former steel worker. When questioned about his motive, Leon said, All those people seemed bowing to the great ruler. I made up my mind to kill that ruler. So more than likely, luck had nothing to do with McKinley's death, just like it had nothing to do with his election in the first place. Both came down to McKinley's ability to appeal to others or be rejected by them. It came down to the work that he had done. Because when you are in a position of authority, there will always be those who disagree, some calmly, some with anger. And when that happens, a scarlet flower won't offer much protection. But maybe, just maybe, you should still think twice before giving it away. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. We will be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Superstitions was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Greg Castro, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. 